Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ask a Leader. This is Claudia Shambaugh, your host, welcoming you to the October 1st, 2013 edition of Ask a Leader. Pick up your tool belt, whip out your clipboards, shutter your bugs, and start your engines. For today, it is all about the sixth biennial exposition known as the U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon 2013 and Expo, convening in the OC Great Park, the first time ever it's been held outside of Washington, D.C. With the inside loop, the experts, and a dignitary, we've got lots on to which to post you with many events and opportunities going on this very week as well as next week. So don't go away. We'll be right back after a short interlude. Thank you, everybody, for staying with me today. Welcome back to the show. My first guest today is Professor Mike McCarthy of Aerospace and Mechanical Engineering at UCI's Samueli School of Engineering to talk about the California Challenge, which will be held October 4th, 5th, 6th this year at the Orange County Great Park at the Transportation Zone, of course, in association with the Solar Decathlon and the Energy Expo. Mike McCarthy's research interests include the design of mechanical systems, kinematic theory of spatial motion, and robotics. He completed his Bachelor's of Science in Engineering at Loyola Marymount and his advanced degrees, including his PhD in Engineering at Stanford. Mike McCarthy joins me here today in Studio A. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Mike. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so you are the trainer, inspiration, the arranger, the judge for quite the competition. Is this something new out of the engineering school? This is new at the Great Park for the Solar Decathlon. This was the vision of Richard King, who's responsible for this program. It's every two years they build energy-efficient housing. Uh, and then they compete uh, to, to see which house uses the en en zero energy that they, get from the, uh, that they get from the grid, all of it from the sun, to see who uses it most efficiently and most comfortably for uh, a modern form of housing. His idea was to bring automobiles and vehicles into this event, and that's when he came to us here at UCI. Well done. And so we were in preparation for this interview. You were talking about an interesting pedagogical, I suppose, dilemma, conundrum you're seeing now as you are putting, there are essentially seniors on your teams here. Uh, we'll, get, we'll talk about the teams a little bit in more detail later, but generally the pedagogical question of how best to uh, improve literacy in terms of the, the technological aspect and the social contributions in teamwork. What, what kinds of pedagogical issues are you seeing cropping up here? Oh, they're fundamental to education at all levels, where it goes under the name project-based learning or what's known as deeper learning. How do we connect the theory that we read in books to the practical world around us? And the solar decathlon, this house construction or energy-efficient housing construction is an example of that. Uh, each of these 20 schools have uh, invested over $800,000 to give these students this experience in direct competition. We've been doing this at UCI now for many years, promoting project-based learning through the development of motorsports and have connected recently 
uh, very well with the local high schools who are taking these, using this as the same opportunity. Okay, thank you. So you talked about the group in terms of applied insular straight A students. Now they're getting a chance not to, as geeks, work on their own, but they're working together. And how does that, how are you finding that with the seniors? Oh, this is critical to their opportunities to get jobs. What we're finding is that because of the difficulties in the, with the recession and even before that, uh, we're not able to provide on-the-job training for our engineers. They need engineers who can come in the door ready to work. And that means ready to work in a lot of different ways that we wouldn't normally expect. Probably the most fundamental is to be able to work together and actually rely on someone else to contribute their part of the effort. This is hard for our very best students who have pretty much relied on their own skills and capabilities to be successful. Projects like building an entire house or building a race car and having it compete are not possible unless students come together and rely on each other and collaborate in order to achieve the, a shared goal. Fine, fine. We're, we have we have so much uh, solar uh, ex, uh, decathlon activity coming, going. I'm sure everybody's going to hear my phone going off while we're trying to shoehorn all the talent that's coming in. And we're so glad that Mike McCarthy, with his busy schedule, uh, getting his quarter started as well as get getting the whole the solar decathlon aspect together. So there are three different components to the in the transportation zone, and they were setting up starting yesterday. Could you break down a little bit the electrothon? Is that the high school? component there. What Richard King attempted to do and really was hoping to do was beginning to unite efforts that are somewhat des desperate across the country that are focusing on energy efficient time trials which provide uh, the opportunity for high schools to build race cars that use energy efficiently. This the program known as the Electrothon is a high school program where students build race cars that use one kilowatt hour of energy and they will have to go as fast as they can in an hour on a tr on a race course this is in essence the same principle that under that underscores our goal to when we created the energy invitational four years ago we don't limit it to one kilowatt hour we limit it to one dollar's worth of commercially available energy that wow. translates That's into approximately six kilowatt hours, so our cars are a, a bit bigger and they go a bit faster. But the basic principle is the same. You run for an hour uh, on the track and see who can go on average the fastest. We're adding a third component to the California Challenge this year, which is the uh, FSAE class vehicles, which are very popular with our local colleges, and we're giving them a chance to get out there and race as well. Fine. And well, let's just, I, we should say who's all involved here. It's the, as far as the college level, it's UCI Riverside, UC Davis, USC, Cal State Northridge, Cal State LA, of course, UCI. For the high schools, it's uh, Anaheim High, Esperanza, El Toro, Foothill, Los Amigos, Pacifica, oh, Pacific, excuse me, Rancho Alamitos, Santiago, and the Tustin High Schools. So uh, there. I'm sorry, Claudia, that's the large list. The, what happens when you get this yes. close to race day, uh, yeah. teams start to drop out as they see, uh, uh, and this is a part of racing that's very real, is your uh, ambitions going into the race, often you don't often make reach those ambitions. So our, our field is trimmed down to 19. We have six electrothon cars, three from the Washington, D.C. area, three from uh, the Orange County area. We have, if I remember right, eight local high schools, two high school race teams, two from Esperanza, two from Foothill, two from Tustin, 
and then Santiago, Santiago High School and Los Amigos High School. And then locally, we have Cal State Fullerton, Cal State LA, Cal State Northridge, and uh, three UCI race teams that will be involved. Okay. You were talking about, and I'm not sure you covered this already, while well, the phones are flying all over the place here in the studio, eh? is you're dealing with there are certain opportunities that could that used to happen in the high school and then in, in junior college, community college, there's such a short span of time for those kinds of projects to take hold, take shape, uh, once the, uh, the distributive requirements are met by each of the students to move on into the special shop project. So uh, you're seeing mostly the seniors in the four-year institutions have the best position, best arrangement for them to pursue this kind of project. What, we're, what we've seen is if you, when I got involved in this, my focus was primarily college students and preparing students, getting students their uh, capstone project and preparing them to move into local industry. In the process, I became involved with the Orange County Department of Ed- Education and toured their uh, shop facilities all across Orange County. And it's, it's astounding when you see what Orange County used to have in the form of shop education in the middle schools and high schools. Those days are gone. There are rare uh, shops, quite good ones though, still located in Orange County. What we're seeing at UCI is we're moving in the opposite direction. We're creating shop opportunities for our students because we see it as key to linking their theory to practice and giving them the foundation that they need to move into companies. That realization is growing fast in the high schools as well where they see it as an opportunity for the students to develop workforce skills so it must be a real a real delight for you as the the man in charge in projects that you're seeing that aha where they're now moving out of the individualized kind of engagement and they're seeing how they break down delegate all these problem-solving capacities that they have so they can see uh, how, how much they can accomplish I have to say it's amazing when you see a group of students break through that uh, initial phase where they're they're not certainly not friends and they've only come together because they are anxious to go in this particular direction on this race car and they have to break through their initial reactions not to lie, rely on each other. When they do that, when they come to realize that they're, they have shared goals and they have to distribute the workload, then they can accomplish amazing things. And this is at all levels. This is at the high school as well as the college. And that's key to their success. Wonderful. For those of you who've just joined us, you're tuned to Ask a Leader at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest is Mike McCarthy, engineering professor at UCI in charge of the California Challenge, which is part of the Solar Decathlon convening at the Orange County Great Park. So the some for the competition or for the for the project there's going to be three different kinds of fuels about which that $1 energy unit is going to be used. Can you tell us about what that is so everybody can understand that and a little bit about those vehicles that I got a chance to see yesterday? Sure. The idea of choosing a dollar's worth of energy uh, to promote uh, engineering development of vehicles was the brainchild of Robert Smith, a technician at a research uh, specialist that works with us here at UCI for many years. He has spent quite a bit of his time involved in motorsports and realizes that the innovation that's possible from teams working against 
competition to develop extra performance out of a vehicle is the best way to develop new ideas for mixing technologies so that we have more successful energy efficient uh, vehicles. What we do is the idea of using a dollar is that this promotes mixing energies for whatever aspect of the vehicle performance you want to improve. It turns what we're going to see on uh, Saturday is compressed natural gas, electricity, and gasoline. There's a role for gasoline. It's an in incredibly powerful and easy to contain uh, energy source. Unfortunately, when you burn it, you throw away two thirds of it. But there's a point in the vehicle cycle where that's a, 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 that is necessary and can be made efficient. Electricity uh, has excellent excellent performance characteristics when you're accelerating and decelerating. Motors, however, do not like to run under power for long periods of time because they begin to overheat. These Having our engineers mm. worry about these aspects of the design problem makes the vehicle design a systems challenge, which is, I think, important for their success and, in fact, our success in the future. And that part of that you were showing me yesterday in the electric vehicle, it's got more power, but the more power is offset by, it's a heavier, there's several more, there's three motors, three batteries that it's chugging along with, so you're going to lose a, a little bit with the weight, but you're going to get more power. Well, you were looking at our most recent um, electric car. We have an older version of the electric car, Gamma, which will actually come UCI's Gamma, what we call our it's Gamma tested. car. Gamma yeah, tested. It, it's hard tested. It's showing its age, and it will be out there competing on Saturday. Our most recent race car, the Zeta vehicle, is our newest technology. It's but it does have a lot of batteries, which makes it heavy. However, those batteries are placed low, which gives it a very low center of gravity and actually gives it some cornering stability that your average uh, gas engine doesn't have. Not only that, we're powering each rear wheel separately, which means we can actually control the torque to each motor. If we're smart about it, it can actually help our cornering ability, and we can get higher performance, we hope, out of that vehicle. And high, high performance could be... Uh, more uh, a better expenditure though um, high performance you're getting uh, more the more torque you have the the less efficient the use of that energy expended is there is well right? no the goal here really is to go fast but use less energy to do it okay. or use the energy and the power that you have to go fast as as efficiently as you can well so you we talked a little bit about electrothron and then there is the little bit you've touched on the UCI energy invitational a little bit and then there's the formula sun grand prix oh we at, we were we actually in this format of racing can include a wide range of vehicles and we had talked to the Grand Prix one to the Formula Sun Grand Prix which is normally is over long distances and relies purely on this uh, gaining energy from the sun which is in the actual principle also of the solar decathlon housing project we we reached out we met with some of the representatives of that group and they were interested in being involved but it's a uh, big undertaking to to get to the Orange County Great Park at this early stage in the school year and we weren't able to get a uh, formula solar team out to join us okay but yes cuz you were handling a lot of the other so it's um this is going to be really really an amazing thing for everybody to see on saturday is the peak experience then this for is what the solar decathlon runs for two weeks. The local community can come and see. The entrance is free. I think it's a $5 parking charge. 
Uh, they are looking to have over 100,000 people attend this event. Yes. Our, uh, our role in the race or presenting the time trials for the California Challenge are, are the first weekend. So we'll be there all day Saturday running heats from the 5th. Okay. On the fifth, from running heats from nine thirty to twelve thirty, then again from two to five, and then on Sunday we'll run the finals, and that'll run from eleven o'clock to one o'clock with the awards given out at two o'clock. All right, so you, uh, the farmers market goers, the church goers, everybody can dodge and weave and get in one of these uh, invitationals. Uh, this is going to be great. So the noise level is going to be, it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be quiet. Uh, the quietest race we'll ever hear. Well, that is true. That's one of the uh, remarkable features of electric vehicles is they run very <laughs> quiet. And one of the things that all of us have learned over the years is to associate loud noise with speed. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> many of my students have actually actually suggested that there's money to be made making a uh, noise box to go with electric vehicles just okay. to uh, make them more exciting to drive. We will have some noisemakers out there, however, because our uh, several of our California FSAE race teams will be running uh, gasoline engines, uh, more, primarily for demonstration. Okay. There's not any paramutual wagers on this yet. I, this is not an advocacy of, of gambling, folks, but which of the vehicles do you think is going to do perform the best of them all? Can you say that now? I can't say that. We had really? a, we, Well, you have to look for yourself. We had a uh, practice event this past Saturday, and on our uh, UCI website, We've shown some of the vehicles, and you see that they're all pr very quick. The high school Good. cars, the um, uh, California S the SAE vehicles, the college vehicles, they're all very quick and very uh, impressive, and I think it's going to be fun to see how they perform. Well, fine. Well, we have just a, a couple of minutes left, barely. Mike McCarthy here with the UCI School of Engineering uh, talking on KUCI 80.9 FM, streaming live on KUCI.org, all over in the car uh, automotive dealerships and the uh, the the, um, the pit crews uh, all over the world. Um, what do you want to see happen for this extravaganza? What do you want people to take away from this shortly? Well, I have to say the number one goal is the learning experience that the high school and college teams have in engineering this scale of pro uh, project, yes. this scale of vehicle. And then the fun that they can have getting out there and actually racing and seeing what happens when you put your theory and practice to the test in competition with each other. That's my primary goal. However, I think uh, the community, the family and friends of everyone involved are going to see impressive work by all of these students and are going to have a great time. And so all the team is going to be out there to mingle with the public and talk about what a, what a kind of an experience this is to do this and maybe a little kind, kind of promote the whole idea of this, the program of this approach to energy use and, and the, the whole group dynamic experience that they have had? Oh, absolutely. They're going to be out. They're going to be available to talk to any and everyone that comes by for a visit. And in fact, we're going to leave several of our cars on display during the remainder of the solar decathlon and and Go I'm going I'm going to encourage them to get out and see what these college kids are doing with the solar houses it's very impressive 
Well, I have to say their engagement is so apparent. When I stopped in yesterday at the facility there at, at engineering, that, that they're, they are lively, they're engaged, they're interactive. It was You could tell there was a lot of traction in what this project is giving them in their education in engineering. They're never going to be the same. And uh, they have a leg up with their peers who aren't involved in this project. I think it's really apparent. They come away very, very skilled in not only the engineering and science, but also in the uh, ability to describe the work they're doing, communicate effectively with each other, uh, work together as a team for a successful uh, project. It's, it's tremendous to see. Well, Mike McCarthy, I'm so glad you could wedge in a little bit of time with your busy first week of the quarter here, the first full week, and I wish all the success. I look forward to seeing you out at the Orange County Great Park on Saturday. I'm not sure about Sunday and then next week what's going on. So thank you very much for coming to Ask a Leader today. It's a pleasure. Thank all, you for having me. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. That was a little bit of American in Paris. I just love the way those that uh, instrumental piece plays uh, in the transportation theme. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guests today, Irvine City Council member Beth Crom and Southern California Institute of Architecture student Nicole Violani today here on Ask a Leader. They're both a part of Nicole and her team from from the Southern California Institute of Architecture and Caltech. They're part of the team, entered in the Solar Decathlon competition at the Expo, convening at the Orange County Park. The Solar Decathlon challenges collegiate teams to design, build, and operate solar-powered houses that are cost-effective, energy efficient and attractive and accessibility is of course another component of that the winner of the competition is the team that best blends affordability consumer appeal and design excellence with optimal energy production and maximum efficiency and boy from getting a preview yesterday it is eye candy for the mind mm-hmm. and the eye folks checking the scene out as i did i felt like a latter day huel hauser it was amazing so uh, i i think of it as something of a 2013 A Space Odyssey meets Metal Shop meets Ikea or or something like that. Local listeners take out your Inside Irvine Fall catalog featuring the Solic Decathlon and follow along as we welcome back Beth Crom to the show and Nicole Violani. Welcome both of you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. Open with Beth. It's been almost two years since we were notified that we were selected amongst 20 competitors to uh, be the host of uh, for the U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon. This is the first time since the Solar Decathlon launched in 2002 that it has been hosted outside of our nation's capital. And most of those um, years, it was hosted on the National Mall. We feel very excited that Irvine, the Orange County Great Park, are the host for the 2013 U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon. And we think that there are a number of reasons why we were selected, including the fact that this entire region is a hub for innovation, a hub for clean tech and green tech, energy efficiency. And so uh, these teams that are competing in the solar decathlon are doing so in a part of the country that really is on the leading edge in a lot of this 
um, technology as well. So we're very excited. We think it's a wonderful opportunity for the community to see uh, tomorrow's innovations today and to understand that there are ways to bring those efficiencies into uh, both the development and retrofitting of houses here in Orange County and throughout the country that are good for the environment and good for the people. Fine. We're just talking about the inspiration, the perspiration. Uh, there are seemingly innumerable exhibitors on today. We're going to focus, as I implied, on the 20 collegiate teams that are vying for special recognition after qualifying for the special exposition in their design and constructions of homes. Beth, as Nicole is listening, I, I know we witness about the exposition site. There is a ton of unimproved acreage to be developed into housing. How probable, Beth, is it that the smart technologies and the modular concepts can be incorporated into the new housing stock? Well, you know, one of the things that we're hoping is that this event serves as further inspiration for the private developer, Five Point Communities, as they look at uh, their future development plans. I think any new development is really a great opportunity to introduce at the front end the kind of innovations that we're going to be seeing in these green homes that are being developed by these 20 university teams. And so we hope that it serves as further inspiration. Of course, out at the Great Park right now, even without the solar decathlon, we do have the ABC Green Home, which is a zero net energy home. So we like to think of the Great Park as a living laboratory of innovative technologies and a place where people can see uh, what they can be doing both on the property and beyond the property. Well, uh, not to put you on the spot on our college radio station, but I know you have a working relationship with the CEOs of the, the nearby subdivision developers with with both Donald Bren and with Emil Haddad. And so have you seen them be a little bit interested in some of this modular housing or some of the smarter and smarter tech uh, fixes in inside the homes? Well, I think in both cases, there are things that have been done both in existing stock and in the planning stages. You know, I would say the developers often push back in saying that they have to sell what people want. So I think what's going to be exciting is if the attendance is as projected at the solar decathlon, if the developers can see that there is a large and growing um, level of interest and a growing market for these kinds of innovations. I think that's the best thing to push them in, further in the right direction. Well, I couldn't help resist when I was talking to Nicole and her counterparts throughout yesterday. I was thinking, mm -hmm. well, it's uh, we need to get the Pelican Hill residents to come down for an upgrade and see what's going on in this house because <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very remarkable. Well. Nicole, your group from the Cal Institute of Architecture and Caltech is has devised, it's called DALE, for short, for the Dynamic Augmented Living Environment, your energy solar decathlon entry. It's made of two, not one, but two movable modules that open up to allow the outdoors, and it celebrates uh, the active California lifestyle, as you say, and it fosters a thrivability about through its dynamic architecture. So... For the auditory experience, can you walk us through your amazing module? Absolutely. And uh, just as you mentioned, Claudia, it's, um, it's, we got the inspiration and tried to take advantage of the fact that not only this was the first solar decathlon that's been hosted 
in California, but being SciArc and Caltech both being local schools, one in downtown, one in Pasadena, we wanted to really capitalize on the fact that California has so much to offer, such wonderful environment, such an active lifestyle, such different vegetation throughout our wonderful state. And that, that all served as inspiration for our home uh, in terms of the architecture and in terms of putting this together. So there are two modules. They're each 300 square feet each. So the smallest um, size of the home allowed in the competition was a 600-square-foot house. And so we decided to stay very close to that, trying to show the public that you can get everything that you want in a small footprint. So we're trying to go away the McMansions and these enormous houses that are seen throughout our state, especially in the rich areas, where there are a number of unused bedrooms and garages that just basically end up serving as a storage. So our concept is you can get everything you want and everything you need in a 600-square-foot footprint. Uh, When the modules are closed, you get 600 square feet, but they are, um, like you said, uh, movable modules, so they're on a track system. Imagine like a railroad track, everybody. Correct, correct. We basically repurposed uh, uh, train tracks from other industries and applied it to a single-family home. So we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just repurposing materials and, uh, and, and mechanisms that already exist and just applying it to a smaller application, which is a single-family home. Um, so, like I said, once the modules are fully expanded, uh, we have about 1,800 square feet of usable space. And the area that's created between the two modules is what we're calling California Midyard. Um, it, it's a patio. We have a wood deck. We have a water feature. We have grass, and we have uh, DG, which is decomposed granite. So you can get various kinds of landscape under your home as the modules move from one end to the rail to the next. And let's give a, a, a credit where credit is due. Your parents who were very exacting about the kind of computer games that you were allowed to play or computer <laughs> game and how that led to that exquisite compact uh, cupboard space that you have fixed up oh, at your Dale thank Hut. You. So um, we had team members design um, the interior partitions. So not only are the actual modules movable themselves, we wanted to continue that concept inside the house. And we have what we're calling movable walls or movable partitions. And what they are is they are wood cabinets that, um, as Claudia mentioned, look like pieces put together. Um, They basically interlock and interact with each other trying to maximize space. Um, they're wood cabinets that are hanging from the ceiling on unistruts. They're basically hanging on a, on a track. And you can move them around in the house in order to maximize um, either the living room space during the day or the bedrooms at night. So pro- programmatically speaking, uh, at nighttime, you would close up these partitions to make the two bedrooms very big, make your living room very small, and during the day when you want a common area and living room space, you would tuck these movable walls into the bedrooms and enlarge your living area uh, for a common area space. And I'll make sure I give the website at the end of the program so people can open up this video as well as the other team videos to see how this works. And that the <laughs> same thing. And so you can pull together if the rain is, 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 a, is predicted to come over or you can you can cover the, the middle section that's opened up between the two tracks. 
Absolutely. The two modules could be buttoned up, and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're sealed together. And if it starts to rain, the house is completely closed in inclement weather. Uh, but luckily in Southern California, since we get most, most days are good weather, just like it is today, we, we try to keep the doors open, the windows, uh, the, the passive cir- uh, circulation going through so to get natural airflow throughout the whole house, which obviously saves on energy costs. So it's cheaper to actually move your modules and keep them open uh, as opposed to keeping your HVAC, your air conditioning, running all day. And that's what's so elegant. Um, I wanted to let everybody know, we didn't really give Nicole a proper introduction. You are an architect student at the Institute, Cal Institute of Architecture. You're a senior now, correct, Nicole? Correct. I, at Southern California Institute of Architecture, Thank yes, you. at SciArc. Um, I, I just graduated in September, so I've just graduated right now, and I just I got finished my master's in architecture. Well, bravo. Well, so what was it like? We, we know we've got a few more minutes with Beth Crom before she needs to leave, and so she's listening in on this, and so taking away the, the inspirational message from all you, you've got, all got a deadline at noon today before all the inspections start flying with the Department of Energy officials, but I, I don't know if, Beth, if you had yourself any questions directly you'd like to give Nicole in the few minutes you have left, or you're listening right along to uh, this inspired contribution to an inspired event. Uh, let me just commend Nicole and all of the young people who are participating in this. It's an amazing amount of energy. I think the extra so sunshine, the extra sunshine today, I think, is in part due to uh, these hundreds of kids that are over at the Orange County Great Park um, producing these incredible spaces. And you know, I think that the challenge, the real challenge for the Solar Decathlon, is not merely to uh, develop these prototype houses, but to understand how to get them into the marketplace. So hopefully being here on the West Coast, where and in a part of the country where development is still occurring, the inspiration is going to have reverberating effects that we really look forward to. Well, that begs the question then, Beth, that is that one reason why you think the Department of Energy was willing to move the venue over to the other coast to give more exposure to what could be? Well, I think there were a number of reasons, including the fact that they had real constraints on the National Mall, um, and both in timing and setup and 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 reservations. They came out. I mean, you know, you know, we hear much about the runways that remain at the Great Park. For the U.S. Department of Energy, that was a huge advantage because the area where these houses yes. are being developed now is a perfect area for this kind of exposition. And I assume Nicole and her counterparts are finding it a great place to um, rebuild the homes that they have built, deconstructed, and brought down here. But I think it's also a wonderful opportunity for the West Coast to, to, to feel like Washington, D.C. has noticed that there is a whole coast 3,000 miles away where we don't always get access to what's happening in the hub of our nation. And so hopefully this is going to be great for both the people that have come out here from other parts of the country and other parts of the world, as well as, as Nicole has said, for, the, I think, the four competitive teams that are coming from California. So there's a real opportunity for California, Southern California, and we hope everybody will come out to the U- U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon. And I noticed the Vermont crew, um, the, the Norwich group, they're actually going to be leaving their project. There's another uh, Northeastern um, team. They're going to leave their project with a, a veteran 
uh, household, a, a, an Iraqi veteran household in San Diego. Uh, so it's being donated there. It's really remarkable. Well, I just would like to take an opportunity to thank Beth Crom. She's going to have to leave right now, and we're going to keep Nicole on. I have many other questions and observations. While Nicole breathlessly and uh, mm-hmm. in, in a very measured way, I can't even hear those uh, hammer sawing and uh, watering going on in the background. I don't know how you're doing that, Nicole. <laughs> but this this interview comes at a great cost of what contribution she can make at the last laps before noon. But I, first, I, I'd just like to thank Beth Crom, City Council Member of, of Irvine, for coming on to Ask a Leader today. And I, I, I'm looking forward to all of the things that the city uh, can, the, the notoriety the city can get for the regular projects, the uh, visionary projects that the city does, and getting credit for looking ahead to negotiating this whole solar decathlon here. And I applaud you for it, and I applaud every visionary on our city council for this, and encourage for that visionary dynamic to continue for all that you can muster. Well, thank you, Claudia. It was very exciting to be chair when we did secure the solar decathlon. And just quickly, a little yes. a little hometown story. Please. I bumped into a gentleman yesterday whose son was involved in the development of solar cars at University High School many years ago and who is now uh, with the Vienna University that is participating in the solar decathlon yes. here in Irvine. So innovation starts in Irvine. It travels around the globe. It returns to Irvine. We're very excited and, and we're very proud to host this world-class event. Well, take all the credit. I honor what you what, mm-hmm. all the, the large share that you had in this, Beth, and that's why you're on the show today. Thank you thank very you. much for being on. And thank you so much. Thanks for hosting us here. Oh, uh, Nicole, we're not done with you, but we are done with Beth. Thanks a lot, Beth. Take care. Okay. I'll see you there. Okay, best Bye-bye. of luck. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, we're going to continue this interview. Um, we're talking to Nicole Violani. She is a member of the Cal- Southern California Institute of Architecture and Caltech team that is putting together the solar, the net zero solar unit, uh, the uh, the Dale project, the dynamic augmented living environment. Well, one thing, one observation I just had, Nicole, with you here is my my thought was for the oversized homes in our uh, increasing uh, household um, mm-hmm. array, a uh, household domain, I'm still imagining that, and you can tell me uh, if this is correct uh, with your architectural training, is I mm-hmm. think that the, in those large homes where people spend the most time is in the smallest rooms. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Um, what's reoccurring over and over again when, when you design a, a house for a family is they keep wanting what's called an open floor plan. Uh, normally, people spend the most amount of time in the family room, kitchen area, and dining area. So you see, it very, it's very common for the space to be all, all one and all integrated. Um, we ended up doing exactly that in our small little footprint. We ended up having a regular sized kitchen. It's a it's very large kitchen for the size of the home itself, and it opens up to the living room and to the dining area. So. The, the majority of the time, that's normally where people are, either around an island, around the kitchen, around the living room. Kids are watching TV, doing their homework. Um, mom and dad are around, and that's something we did not want to compromise is, is that comfort in, in such a small home. So we tried to keep that the same um, and just readjust the other spaces as needed. So I, I agree. It's, sometimes you don't even realize that you don't need so much space, but we tried to keep the very useful space about the same size as you would want for a regular house and i noticed too with lots of the kitchen walls that those were solving a efficiency issue with 
that is where the, you'll give me the correct technical term, but that's where all the water lines are to shorten the the water lines to minimize how much water has to be run before it's fully heated up. So everybody's solving those elegant problems like that. Right, exactly. And what we're doing in ours is, um, so we have the two modules. One is called dry module and one is a wet module. The dry module houses the living room and the two bedrooms and there's no plumbing or water in whatsoever. The wet module houses the kitchen, the dining area, and the bathroom. So all the plumbing is in that one module. So we try to keep it close. We try to keep it concise. And right behind the kitchen, which is accessible on the outside, that's, uh, there's a mechanical room, which is where everything is is uh, plugged in. So one module functions as the wet module, one module functions as the dry module, and it was intentionally done that way to um, avoid the water having to be uh, carried out for a long distance. So let's talk then how it's operationalized each and one of these units. Um, I hope we can talk a little bit about the group experience too, but what so I want people to hear about here up front is that you get your inspe- all the inspections start at around noon today. I know, and you are so kind to give us your time <laughs> with every minute being exponentially more important than that minute two or three days ago, is no that, that the uh, competition includes how these units perform, and so include with us uh, the, the, the scenarios, including the uh, preparing a meal and entertaining for one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, the way we're judged is the decathlon is measured out of the 10, 10 uh, contests, um, and there are several contests that we're measured in. There's engineering, there's architecture, there's market appeal. Um, we are measured on how we perform, and what we need to do in order to show that we're performing accurately is we have to do loads of laundry okay. um, in our, in our uh, washer-dryer area. We also have to prepare a meal, like you mentioned. We have to have a dinner party, so we host a dinner party in our house. Uh, we have to cook in there to show that the kitchen is fully operable, fully functional. We can boil hot water. Um, we can use our, our cooktop. Um, so we pick a meal, and we're going to be hosting uh, a few people, including other students from other homes. Oh, good. So it's a great, yeah, it's a great way to interact with other teams, and it's a great way to show that our house does work um, because ideally this is a prototype for something, like you mentioned, that could go out in the market. So in order for that to be the case, we need to show that it, it can function like a regular home. And so those particular demonstrations, they're, they're going on during the visitors' hours from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Will there be a way to watch that, or is that you really want to keep people steered clear from that so that you can concentrate on performing? Right. Well, the, the, there are different times. So we're open to the public exhibit from 11 to 7 right. uh, on the weekends, but our um, our dinner parties are in the evenings uh, a certain ah. other nights. So okay. um, we're, I, we have to host a dinner party for eight people, and that's separate from the public exhibit hours. I know a lot of people don't, don't do that in their oversized, over-equipped, uh, conventionally-equipped right. homes. So that's, that's a feat. a lot, yes. Oh, wow. So we are talking with... Nicole Violani. She's graduated a student, a master's student, with her degree at the Southern California Institute of Architecture. Tell us a little bit about how Big Bang means designer designer students here uh, to get mm-hmm. this project done. How, how is that dynamic? How How is delegation? Uh, what did everybody learn, take away from that? You know, it was a fantastic collaboration because I believe we are the only school on the on the. Um, Solar Decathlon, that's a collaboration, or we're the only team, excuse me, that's a collaboration between two schools. 
So we were lucky to partner up with Caltech, um, which is an amazing, incredible school, incredible intelligence students, and they are doing the, elect- uh, the um, engineering portion of our project. And the Cyrix students are doing the architecture portion. Now, there's a lot that overlaps between the two, um, and we have to work hand in hand, just like we would in the real world in designing and building something. Um, so, from the beginning, from the design concept all the way through the construction, it has been a team effort. It we've all put in as much work and as much thought and dedication to this, um, and it's it's absolutely wonderful because not only do the Cyrix students learn things about the engineering portion, but the engineers learn a lot about architecture, and it's really a wonderful experience to prepare us for the real world, where we know what is actually getting built, how things come together, and um, and we also have to take into consideration affordability, obviously, because exactly. that's one of our contests. Good question. I wanted to bring that up. So the, I know that the prototypes cost a bit more money than the more mass-produced counterparts, but for the prototype itself, how much will your structure cost somebody? You know, it's, it's not very much. We're actually very close. Um, we're we're close to three hundred thousand, and that's uh, I believe the range is between two fifty and, and three hundred around there. So we're not very far. Um, in two thousand and nine, I believe uh, there was a team that came in at eight hundred thousand dollars for a small house. Oh, um, so the, the, it ranges quite a bit. Obviously, uh, in 2011, it was the first time they introduced the affordability contest in order to prevent something like this from happening, make sure that the teams are all very close. So we are very close to what we need to be. We're, we're actually uh, ranging uh, greatly on the affordability contest as well. So our prototype is, is um, compatible with, with other ones as well. But once mass production occurs, then that brings the unit cost of every single component down. So, and then uh, is there any particular, is there a site that can't be, that this structure is not suitable for? Or can you adapt to pretty much most kinds of slopes and other features like that? You can. Um, we would have to make the, make sure the foundation is straight and correct. Um, obviously, it could be adapted and moved. And one of the beauties of this, these modules is they're small enough where they could be maybe adjusted to different sites and different weather. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with any solar-powered home, the better the weather, the more energy it's right. going to pull in. Right. So um, that, that's always a little bit more favorable. But this is ideally something that could be put anywhere, maybe just a few little tweaks, um, but it's, it's something that could work very well in other regions as well. And Nicole, tell us about where this structure is going to be headed once the exposition is over with that. You have a particular client, I believe, up at the exposition center up in LA? We do. We have different, um, we have potential clients that have been interested in coming ah. to look at the house. Good. Um, once this is done, it's going back up to Los Angeles, but we've had people uh, interested in the home, and uh, we're in the works of uh, trying to figure all that out, uh, but we do have a few potential buyers, which is absolutely wonderful. So, oh, wow. It uh, is Dale's for... getting a home very soon. Okay, so it's it's for, I didn't know that, uh, but there aren't price tags anywhere. I guess you've got to know, folks, you got to ask, but so they're all of them going to be sold? Or donated in the case of one of them that's going to be heading down, as I mentioned earlier, Beth Cromon. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're trying to find homes for all these houses. I'm sure each team is, is doing their best to make sure that this goes somewhere that could be reused. I like that. Finding a and home for well. a home. That's great. That's great. <laughs> well, for those of the, you who've joined us, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine streaming all over the world in 
uh, in drafting rooms all over on KUCI.org. And concluding this interview is my guest from Southern California Institute of Architecture with the SCIA and Caltech team at Solar Decathlon um, Exposition. And Nicole Violani, I really, really want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing with us. And I, I want to thank you for setting aside valuable time. Nobody has a clue how breathless you must be right now. And I want to send you back, put your tool belt back on, your, bring your clipboard back out. Give everybody, I'm going to say, give them our wholehearted affection for what they're doing. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing this whole thing in full swing by starting Thursday for the general public. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, and have everyone come down and take a look because it's definitely a lot of hard work that everyone has put into this and it's, it's wonderful to see all the homes coming together. It's, just, it's, it's beautiful. And that's the reason why we're doing this so we can get a little bit more publicity out there for people and that's why we're uh, taking this way valuable time just to get that increment support. All the best, Nicole. Congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. That's Hit the Pavement, French performer. Uh, in the show here today, I want to give everybody a chance to find out how to get more information because it's all there available to you. The public hours, I'll remind everybody, are from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. the days October 3rd through October 6th, and then Thursday through Sunday again, October 10th through the 13th. For more information, it's the website is there's two, the-xpo.org, or you can also go online to the solardecathlon.gov, all solar decathlon in one word. It's easy to get. You can even get pull it up with the city of Irvine and the Department of Energy. While uh, the the uh, government shutdown occurs, I think there might be a couple of employees that are going to be out there and uh, they're uh, uh, servicing all of us over there, as well as the the website will tell you all about the decathlon. We are Irvine is on the map. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we will uh, uh, be back. Uh, let's see. Uh, my only announcement, I guess, since while the sky's falling with the congressional budget debacle, is that the Claire Trevor Bren School of the Arts 2013-2014 season brochure, I know that's a huge segue, that the brochure is available online and will be out in printed form shortly. It is the best cultural deal in town. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening.